So both our gospel and first reading are both about repentance. They're both about repentance. And what this word repentance means is its, its meaning, its original meaning, is to actually turn around physically and, and change the way that you're going. So you're walking one way, and you, you turn around, and, and you start walking another way. And so to repent is to move away from something and start going towards something else. And what Jesus means by it is to repent from sin and patterns of sin in our lives and move towards him. And move towards him who embodies the truth. And so, as moderns, we don't really like to talk about sin. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not considered a very pleasant subject. And I think part of the reason for that is, and, and even in the church, you don't hear a lot of talk about sin very often. It's considered negative. You know, if a priest talks about sin, Father's being too negative. He's talking about these negative things. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is kind of an, a reaction probably to before the, the cultural revolution in the 1960s, the sexual revolution in the 1960s, there was maybe an overemphasis on sin and on the consequences of sin and the consequences of not following the laws of God. And so now, since then, post-cultural revolution, post-sexual revolution, we kind of have this mentality that is summed up in, in the mantra that actually became popular right around that time, which is, I'm all right, you're all right, we're all all right. Meaning, it's kind of impossible to really do anything wrong. And so as a culture and a society, we've rationalized sin. We've rationalized sin. And so we even go so far as a culture as to make up disease names for patterns of behavior that are negative. And so we're just kind of trying to um, really act like, like everything's just okay. And in many ways, we're, we're betraying our own intellects and our own capacity to reason as human beings when we, when we do this and we don't acknowledge free choice. The fact of the matter is, sin is tremendously, tremendously dangerous for us as human beings. Sin is like a poison. And the biblical writers all know this. That's why St. Paul talks about it so often. It's not the place that we're supposed to kind of dwell on. We're not supposed to dwell on sin. But we need to know that it exists. And it's, of course, considered the first step of wisdom by all the spiritual writers in our tradition as Catholics is to first have a knowledge of my own sin and the things that I am culpable for to accept responsibility for them before there's any capacity to move forward in life and to move towards God. 
there has to be an acknowledgement that I am a sinner. Bishop Barron talks about these three kind of paths of life. The first one is knowing that I'm a sinner. The second one is knowing the source of all goodness, beauty, and truth, which is God. So you know the place that you want to go. You acknowledge that you're a sinner. And the third thing that he mentions is knowing that your life is not about you. So it's kind of a depletion of and uh, a letting go of the ego. Because what sin does is it, is it weighs us down. It's like you imagine a, a, a water faucet and it, it's, meant to have, it's meant to have water just flowing very smoothly through it and get to the place that, that's supposed to receive the, the flow of water. And sin is like the gunk that gets in there as time goes on and um, it, creates, it creates a distortion in the color of the water it makes the flow very weak, and so God's grace is not able to quite hit us as well. And we start to find ourselves in a dark place without even knowing it because it's such a slow progression uh, without actually acknowledging our sins. And sin is like a, it's like a, it's like a law of nature. Sin is like a law of nature. It's like if you eat junk food, you ought to expect to be unhealthy over time if you just keep eating junk food. Empty carb, carbs, um, Lou Malinati's for, for dinner every night, followed by Overweiss ice cream. Many of us dream of these things, but they're, they're not healthy in the long run. We all know it. It's a law of nature. You start to get messed up. It's the same thing with sin. These aren't arbitrary rules. They're things that disconnect us from four things. Sin disconnects us from other people and isolates us from other people. It disconnects us with God, really hurts our faith and our capacity to believe in God or see his goodness. So it hurts our relationship with others. It hurts our relationship with God. It hurts our relationship with ourselves. How many people out there really despise themselves and are just harsh with themselves all the time? I hate myself. That's, that's not how God intends it. He doesn't want us to despise ourselves. And it disconnects us and disconnects us from the larger creation. What we're supposed to have as human beings is a very healthy balance, right? Not one extreme or the other, not always thinking about sin and just being super preoccupied with the ways that, that we don't do things wrong or follow God's laws. That's not healthy. It's also not healthy to completely ignore all those things. That's the sin of, so the, the two sins there are the sins of presumption I'm already okay as I am. I don't need a savior. I don't need God. I'm, I'm okay. I'll be forgiven no matter what. So there's no repentance. And the other extreme is despair. I'm never going to get out of these things. I'll never get out of this pattern of life. God, I'm not worthy. I, I, don't, I don't even deserve to have a relationship with you. Those are two extremes. For us as Catholics, what we're called to do is have a healthy 
balance of I am completely and utterly unique and good because God has created me and I'm not an accident. No one in this church is an accident. God intended us to be here. Before any of us were born, God was already thinking of us. God intended all of our creation. He, he molded us and formed us in our mother's wombs and has guided us to this particular moment in life. And we all have a very beautiful, beautiful dignity as human beings. And we are good. And we are seen by God as his sons and daughters. In the same way that any parent looks at their sons and daughters, except for with more love. But at the same time, I am a sinner. I have a propensity towards things that are not healthy for me. We call that in the church concupiscence. And so I have this momentum in me because of, we would say, original sin that, that, that moves me towards things that don't actually help me. And so what the church provides for us in her law is not meant to constrict my freedom and weigh me down and be burdensome. The laws of the Catholic Church are not frivolous. They are not without reason. They come from God himself. The church is, is the Catholic Church, the institutional church, as messed up as the church can be at times, in her dogma and doctrine, speaks the words that free us up, that give us life, and the laws that are meant for all of us to flourish as human beings. To ignore, intentionally ignore the laws of the church, we all do this, or at least we have at certain points in our lives, there's certain church teachings we just, we don't like, I don't want to deal with this, I'm just going to kind of forget that one and, and go with all the other ones. All of us have that, or we have had it. It's a major mistake. It's what Jesus is calling us against today. Turn around. Take on the mind of God. It will bring you freedom. I want to read just a couple, a couple scriptural um, teachings about God's law. These are from the psalmists. This is, this is the opposite of how we as moderns, when we hear law, we just immediately tend to not like the word, let alone the law of the, of the Catholic Church. We see that as oppressive as moderns. This is not a biblical view of God's law. This is what the psalmists say. God's laws are perfect. They protect us, make us wise, give us joy and light. God's laws are pure, eternal, and just. Psalm 119. I will keep your law in my heart so that I will not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your ways. I will repeat aloud all the laws that you have given me. I delight in following your commands more than in having great wealth. I study your instructions. I examine your teachings. I take pleasure in your laws. 
Your commands I will not forget. Happiness, my happiness is in the law of the Lord. Open my eyes so that I might see the wonderful truths in your law. God's law and Jesus and Jonah's, really God's call through Jonah, their call for repentance is not meant to be restrictive and take away our freedom. It is meant for our ultimate good and flourishment because God knows, and this is the reason he gave us his law, he knows what's best for us. That's why he gave us the church that would give us these guidelines. Just like anything else that we do, there are certain principles and rules that we have to follow to flourish. Anybody who has half of a brain and wants to be a good athlete has the humility to say, Coach, what do I need to work on? What particular technique do I need to spend more time on developing? So God, in his goodness, is, is inviting all of us, as Jesus says and Jonah says in the Gospel, to repent, to turn around, to take, to, to take these things seriously, not as, not as oppressive, but uh, as, as ways of flourishing and enjoying true communion and intimacy with God and with other people and having the peace that we all desire for in our hearts. Because that's something that Jesus promises us. My peace I leave you, my peace I, I will give to you. Jesus, help us to repent from anything in our lives that we have been particularly stubborn about. Help us, Lord, to stand up for the truths that you have revealed through your, through your Holy Catholic Church. Help us to not fall into cowardice um, when we're asked to stand up for you or stand up for our faith in some kind of public format. Help us to really delight in the laws that you have given us to see them as means of growing in union with you and in, in helping give us guidance in how we raise our families and how we grow in intimacy as married couples. And we ask you, Lord, to help our egos to diminish and decrease, continue to be patient with us, and help us to enjoy you and all the people in our lives that you've given us forever and eternal life. We ask these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let's just take a few moments in silence to listen to and speak to the Holy Spirit in our hearts.